Welcome to the DLA Piper Media Sport and Entertainment Podcast. In this series, we explore the latest trends and challenges facing businesses today and how we must evolve to meet them both in the short and longer term. Each episode, our leading lawyers and guest speakers from across the worlds of media, sport and entertainment discuss market and legal insight on a wide range of issues. We will take a deeper dive into these topics at our MSC Summit later this year. We encourage you to register for the summit by visiting www.dlapiper.com slash MSE Summit. Hi, I'm Sahil Ali. I'm a litigation partner at DLA Piper, specialising in commercial and financial disputes. Welcome to the Media, Sports and Entertainment Sector podcast on DNI, which is a prelude to our upcoming Media, Sports and Entertainment Summit, which will be taking place later in the year. I'm delighted today to be joined by my colleague Gurpreet Diora, an employment partner specialising in a broad range of workplace matters, including diversity and inclusion and employment disputes. Gurpreet, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you here today. Thank you, Sahel. Good to be with you again and looking forward to our discussion. First of all, I guess one of the topics we've been discussing, particularly over recent months, is on diversity and inclusion. And I guess with a media, sports and entertainment sector hat on, why do you think this is such a key area in this sector in particular? DNI is obviously really important generally. It's taken on a renewed focus since the tragic murder of George Floyd. But I think it's particularly important and relevant in this sector. And I think over the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen the fallout from the Azim Rafiq saga at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. You know, that has lifted the lid, in my view, on the racism issues in cricket. Football historically has suffered in the recent past with racism both on and off the pitch. And we saw in particular the online abuse that was subjected at uh, Rashford, Sancho and Saka after the Euro final defeat. But I think as a litigator, in my view, there's a couple of reasons why DNI is really important and relevant to this sector. I mean, it's not only the right thing to be focusing on, which is to be driving genuine inclusivity within sport, within media and the entertainment industry. But I think there's a very real risk, potentially an existential risk, if organisations don't take this seriously or get it wrong. So on the one hand, what you've got is this growing clamour and focus on ESG at the moment. And for present purposes, I guess what we're focused on is the S in ESG, which stands for social. You combine that with an increasingly more favourable legal and regulatory landscape, both in the UK and in Europe, where people can bring large class actions on behalf of you know a large group of people against big organisations with deep pockets. And then you combine that with the huge influx of litigation funding, particularly in the UK market. And what you're doing is that you're giving firepower to really bring claims, these big claims that ordinarily might not have been brought. And as we know, discrimination claims, whether that's gender, whether that's race, are prime targets. And they are primarily being targeted at big organisations yeah, such as big football clubs or cricket clubs and organisations. So the risk is that if you're a big football or cricket club 
and you've historically perhaps had inadequate procedures or had discriminatory practices within your organisation, which has therefore meant that you know talent has not come through or has been discriminated against, what we're finding and what you're seeing is that you've got all of these funders who are proactively looking to commence litigation, circling around, trying to drum up support to bring these types of claims. And in my view, you know, for a lot of organisations, given the scale and size of the potential litigation, it will be make or break in terms of survival. But let me ask you, Gilpri, I mean, I know you're obviously a employment lawyer. What do you think are the the key practical challenges and considerations for organisations in this space? Sure. Well, that's really interesting what you were saying about the ESG element, sale, and that's becoming increasingly prominent in our practice in terms of DNI falling front and centre within the social aspect of ESG. But I think some of the, the key practical considerations around this really are around getting educated. I think that's really important still because many people naturally feel uncomfortable and not confident talking about some of these issues openly with their workforce. But the more you can do as an organisation to raise awareness, ultimately the better outcomes you'll have both in terms of attracting and retaining the best talent, but also in terms of avoiding costly and and damaging discrimination and related claims. And education really starts with training. So every organisation, big or small, should be thinking about what is their training proposition when it comes to equality and diversity for their workforce, not just because it's the right thing to do, but also because it will be a key focus area in any litigation. Courts and tribunals, one of the first things they'll look at is what steps you took to equip your staff with a good basic understanding of what DNI in the workplace means and looks like for your organisation. And if you haven't got past that first base, you're really starting any kind of dispute or litigation on the back foot. Language is another one I would mention. I mean, I think this is one of the hardest things for organisations to get right and to police in terms of what terms and language are acceptable. That can be very fluid and different cultures have different views on this too. In my experiences as an employment lawyer for the last 20 years in in handling employment tribunal claims, not once has the defence of banter succeeded before an employment tribunal. So we know that legally it's not a defence, but that is often the phrase that gets put out there when it comes to disputes around these issues. Oh, it was just banter, it was innocent, there was no malice intended. But I would always encourage organisations to think about training their staff on acceptable language and also think about whether you should have an inclusive language guide for your organisation that everybody subscribes to. Fundamentally, it's about getting to know the people that you work with, your colleagues, your teammates in a sporting context. You know, what is their background, what are their beliefs, their values and what's socially acceptable to them. And by doing that and investing that time, you're less likely to have people make offensive comments in the first place. And where you do have those scenarios, colleagues are more likely to be forgiving if you've taken that time to show that interest in them. And just on that, it will be interesting to see in particular from a cricketing context, what comes out of the ECB review specifically on dressing room culture, because we know that that's something that they're paying particular attention to. A couple of other things worth mentioning, I think, look, making it a strategic priority for leadership. So looking at things like reverse mentoring, where junior people in the organisation mentor 
leaders about the experiences that they've had. That's been very effective in lots of organisations that we've advised. Uh, creating and endorsing ally networks. I think that's a really positive step that organisations can take. And really focus more on the lived experience of your people, not just thinking about things like recruitment targets. Because yes, it's important that all organisations in this sector and across industry think about what they can do to increase the number of underrepresented groups in their sector, but also focusing on what, what does the lived experience look like? You know, can people be themselves and be authentic in that setting? Because if not, they won't achieve their potential. And what you'll have is high attrition levels amongst underrepresented groups, because it's all well and good getting them into the organisation from an attraction perspective, but you've got to make the experience once they're there positive for them and I think there's probably not enough attention that is paid um, towards that aspect of things. Just in terms of what we've seen elsewhere, Sale, is it worth you saying a few words about the recent event that you you attended in the sector? Yeah, sure. So as you know, I recently spoke at the launch event of the Global Sustainability Benchmark in Sports event. And this is a a not-for-profit organisation that was formed actually by a former footballer and it launched in January this year. And and essentially what this body seeks to do is it seeks to give sporting organisations an ESG rating based on their publicly available data and best practice reporting standards. So I was on a panel with a really high profile, high calibre group of people, senior representatives from the UN, as well as sporting clubs such as Borussia Dortmund, Juventus, Bayern Munich, Real Betis. And they were all you know, speaking really positively about the importance of now having a rating, an ESG rating to measure progress and also to increase accountability within their respective organisations. In the DNI space, I think this type of rating is absolutely vital and it's vital for organisations to be able to understand the risks for them, the potential weaknesses, and where ultimately claims may come from. And as a litigator, and I think it's going to be imperative, and it's not just sports, it's also, you know, for present purposes, we're talking about the media and the entertainment sector as well. It's for those organisations to be able to embrace the risk here by looking to mitigate those risks once they understand where they lie. So I think that's incredibly important. And I know you've done something similar in the in the reporting index space as well. You've offered that to clients. So perhaps you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Before we get onto that, I think it's really interesting what you were saying there in terms of the different types of risks and the importance of identifying that. Because so often what we see when we deal with organisations who are facing complaints of discrimination, the natural tendency often is to get into legal defence mode and focus on things like, well, how are we going to handle this investigation, do it in a confidential way, thinking about legal privilege, focusing on legal liability. But actually what can get missed with all of that are the reputational consequences, which if you misstep on the investigation and how you handle a complaint, as we've seen from recent history with other organisations, the reputational consequences can be catastrophic, irrespective of the legal liabilities. And so I think it's really important to have a a wide perspective and an understanding of the different types of risk that are in play with those types of issues. But 
Yeah, coming on to what you were talking there about indexing. So what we've done within DLA Piper is recently create the diversity and inclusion index. And this is something that we've been developing over several months now. And it's something that we're quite excited about, actually, because there's nothing quite in the market based on what we've researched and seen that achieves what this product will achieve for the organisations who participate in it. And it's basically an online tool that asks a series of questions that will help organisations to measure how they are performing against what we would consider DNI best practice. It's completely free to use and it shouldn't take longer than 15 minutes to complete. And the questions in the index cover six key areas of the employment relationship, ranging from recruitment, policies, training, inclusive culture, reward and leadership. And there's a summary at the end of each of these sections which highlights some of the key legal principles that underpin those areas and the best practice as far as we see it in that area too. And it was really important to us that we came up with something that was user-friendly, that was intuitive, that would only take a short amount of time for the relevant people at organisations, whether it's you know people in the people team, the DNI team or the legal team, for them to look at and be comfortable using. And I think we've achieved that. And the organisations who complete the index can elect to have a personalised report generated by their answers. And we've come up with what we think is a clever scoring and weighting system that categorises the organisation's answers into a red, amber or green category and this will help identify priority areas that need attention in terms of their DNI agenda and over time for those that complete the index and participate in it will be able to benchmark how your organisation is performing against others in the MSE sector which I think will create some really valuable insights for those that participate but we'll link to the index in the uh, in the show notes and you can also find details on our website too. That's fantastic Gabri I know it's been incredibly well received by my clients and it's not just in the MSE sector but the fact that it is so user-friendly and takes only 15 minutes to complete and actually gives you such a good snapshot as to where you stand in terms of your DNI journey is incredibly useful and helpful. That's been a really helpful and really interesting session from my part, and I think that wraps up the podcast for today. What I would just like to say is please do take a moment to subscribe to our podcast using your usual subscription platform and also register for our MSC Summit, which is taking place virtually towards the end of the year. You can register at www.dlapiper.com forward slash MSC Summit. And we really hope that you can join us then for our more elaborative discussion. Thanks very much.